0: Welcome to the XTERRA podcast. I'm Tom Patton. The XTERRA mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy, as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the XTERRA website, as well as on this podcast. my guest is Barbara Belvisi, founder and CEO of Interstellar Labs, which is developing environment-controlled modules equipped with an automated aeroponic system, which is kind of a mouthful. Barbara, thank you, and welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Tom, for having me.
0: Let's talk a little bit more in depth, first of all, just about what it is that your company does.
1: Sure. Um, so the, the purpose of Interstellar Lab is to recreate the structure uh, where we will you know, create the perfect condition for life to grow. Uh, And our purpose is to protect life on Earth, but also to help bringing life to other planets. Uh, And we start with plants and the biodiversity that we have here.
0: So give me a little bit about your background, if you would. (laughs)
1: <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm, I'm not an engineer. I uh, didn't study aerospace or biology, but very passionate about those topics. Uh, though I was super nerdy as a child and I always dreamed of becoming multiplanetary. I drew you know, flowers in my room because I was dreaming of living under a dome full of flowers and plants. Uh, but that's it. I did. A, I did a, a pretty successful career in finance. Uh, I started multiple investment fund, uh, helped over 400 companies uh, all over the world building hardware and robotic products. Uh, and after a certain point, uh, I realized that I will not find this entrepreneur who wants to build the systems I was looking for, you know, the, the structure to protect life. So I just decided I will I will do it myself. Um, so I surrounded with engineers from NASA, SpaceX, um, and and here we are right now.
0: Let's start off then on planet Earth. How did you conceive of this biopod concept?
1: Uh, so we started. We we actually initially we started with a. A vision of, uh, of a station uh, for four astronauts um, on Mars. And so we designed, um, uh, it was more than a concept, it was like preliminary design intention of what could be a modular base um, on the surface of Mars. Um, and so we sized a different system and we came up uh, with a pod that will be fully inflatable where we will control all the climatic conditions inside. Um, and then we made an iteration to actually build the first prototype as a terrestrial product. So we had to... you know. Uh, our constrained, constraint were terrestrial in terms of the manufacturing of the first pod, um, and so that and so we came up with this design of a, you know, something that is in the form of an ellipse uh, because it's much better for the airflow and the circulation of the air inside. Uh, also, it's an inflatable structure, so it cannot be rectangular. We want a no structure actually, completely inflated, um, and we, did, we choose not to make a sphere because problem with sphere is that you're losing a lot of space on the edge, uh, and we wanted to work towards space optimization for plant growth. Um, um, and, uh, and it's actually also a mathematical equation um, that we used uh, to design to design the whole pod.
0: So then what are some of the terrestrial applications for the biopod?
1: Uh, biopod is used. So, so right now we have over 70 uh, command um, uh, pre-orders uh, for the pods. Uh, three type of customer. Uh, one very big group is on pharmaceutics and cosmetics. Um, so what we're bringing is we relocalizing the production of specific plants they need um, you know, to produce sometimes it's a it's a shampoo, it's a it's a cosmetic product, but also it can be uh, it can be a drug to treat, for instance, cre- uh, um, uh, cancer or some other diseases. Uh, and so, by recreating the specific climate, instead of sourcing the plant in Indonesia or Madagascar, they can just grow it next to their facility, uh, and we really optimize the conditions so the plants will recreate much more will produce more molecules that they need. That's the first group. The second group is really food production. Uh, so we're providing a solution for food deserts. Uh, on this end, we're actually working very closely with Texas and a and, uh, and, and couple of you know different areas in Texas that are um, uh, registered as, as, as food deserts, uh, but also work with the Middle East and especially Saudi Arabia. Um, the third application is like uh, research and biodiversity conservation. Um, so we have a lot of very big universities uh, getting the pod to recreate the climate, to grow endangered species, and to study how we can grow in a controlled environment, uh, different plants.
0: Let's talk about the development process just a little bit. How did you go about testing your prototype and what did you learn from that process?
1: Sure. Um, so what's complicated with inflated, inflatable structure is that it's not like you can, you can build, uh, you know, a smaller version of the biopod and then test all the system uh, because, because um, because it's going to be different from a small size to another size, and so testing on a small side can allow you to this, to understand cer- certain thing, but it's not a proof of concept for the full scale, full uh, full size biopod. So the way we approached the prototyping was actually more on uh, the testing of the system uh, themselves, so how we can automate them because there is a lot of automation on the biopod. So combining the sensors, our intelligence, and how we will activate or not activate the hardware. Uh, so that's how we worked on the prototype, and then also. We developed smaller version uh, just to see how we can be able to control the microclimate uh, and how we will you know, manage to grow plants. Um, so we have over four uh, phytotrons, so huge tents, uh, where we recreate condition and we've been growing plants. So We did vanilla, marigold. We did a lot of plants. We're growing fruits right now. We have gooseberries. It's, it's passion fruit. It's, it's really cool.
0: So did you take it to a, a, a harsh environment? for the testing? Or were you in the tropics somewhere where it would be easy to grow things anyway?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no it's, test, it's tested indoor. Um, so everything okay. is, uh, is uh, uh, indoor in our facility. So we have a large big facility um, in at the south, south of Paris. Uh, very, very soon we're bringing everything uh, in California or early November, and, you, and you'll be able to test our various system uh, in uh, Cap Canaveral uh, the, hopefully by the end of this year if not early next year um, and um, and so no so we've been testing everything indoor uh, and so really like recreating recreating the climate and see how we can grow them so we're very very, so it's not a hard environment, but it's like really the purpose was really to see how we can recreate inside a structure, uh, the climates. Uh, the second part of the testing, which will be to test outdoor, uh, the pod is gonna start the summer. Uh, right now we are assembling the first full-scale biopods. Um, and we're gonna keep two in Paris and bring three United States for t- testing purposes.
0: And then that'll be done in a, in a desert environment or uh, just kind of give me a sense, if you would, sure. as, as to how you want to do that testing.
1: Sure. Uh, so the, the, uh, in Paris, we're going to keep one indoor uh, because mm-hmm. we're going to change some of the hardware system and we'll iterate on the automation and the intelligence of the of the pod. Uh, the second biopod next to Paris will be outdoors. So it's a temperate climate, but we will measure the difference between a pod being inside and outside and how we can optimize power consumption based on the light we're getting from the sun. Um, and then the three we're bringing to the United States. Uh, one will go to Florida, uh, the mm-hmm. second one will go in Texas, and the third one in California. So they're pretty warm climates. Um, that said, we've been we we're in discussion with Alaska also to bring one uh, to bring one over there. But we do it like step by step, uh, testing in different environments and then pushing it to the to the edge to see how the pot is reacting.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I'm in Florida, and that can, it can be a pretty harsh environment here as well, but always on the hot side, so never, never cold. No, never cold,
1: but you have hurricanes and winds, and that's a very good way for us to test
0: how we're going to approach the storm on Mars. We do have those. Now, now, you've talked about current farming practices that overproduce and produce low-quality food, so how can biopods help the terrestrial farmer?
1: Sure, uh, you know, one of the, the you know, one of the main issue is the consumption, first is the consumption of water. Um, and so by recreating a completely celled system where we capture back the water that is in form of vapor in the in the inside the biopod, uh, we actually use much, much less water than traditional farming. Um, and so we capture it back, we put it to our water treatment system, and then it goes through again the aeroponics. So it's like a, you know, it's a, it's a regenerative circle and we're Of course, there is some water that is going into the plants. So the plant can go and produce fruits or vegetables and and, uh, flowers. Um, But so it's a very, um, it's a very uh, low consumption water system. Um, And that's one of the biggest problems with food production currently. Uh, Current food production also, you know, we have a lot of people on this planet um, and and I will be in favor of like cultivating all around and just having, you know, um, Soil and and a sustainable agriculture. But the reality is that because we are so many, um, having a traditional agriculture system doesn't work. And it's hurting our soil and we cannot produce enough food for everyone. So indoor farm is needed. And the good thing about indoor farm and aeroponics is the fact that you're not hurting the soil because you're cultivating everything, you know, out of soil and in a a system. Uh, So it's preventing from pollution and from soil deterioration. Um, another thing is also the more land you give to agriculture, the less there is for wilderness and biodiversity um, and so and I think because again, you know it's, it's a question of number of people and, and allocation of resources on this planet. Um, we need to give more land to wilderness so we can protect the biodiversity that we have on earth so indoor farm is really a solution. Um, is really a solution that can help do that. Uh, The main problems with indoor farm is the water, is the power consumption. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's how to optimize the power consumption. Uh, And that's why we've been innovative in the material we're using for the membrane uh, and the optimization of the automated system. So we don't use too much power for the LED,
0: for instance. So give me an an idea of how big one of these is
1: sure oh okay i'm talking square meters so i'll, I'll try okay uh, but that's the first size so oh, so so the first size of the biopod is 55 square meters so it's roughly 600 square feet okay. uh, on the floor um, and it's six meter high uh, so it's two times as high as a container um, and uh, and six meter and six meter wide so it's actually uh, to, uh, also so, so it's like you will stack four containers uh, okay together you'll get the you'll get the size of the bio box. So it's it's pretty big uh, i think the renders we have don't uh, uh, don't give um, you know don't give this like um a sense of order of magnitude of the of the uh, system we're building uh but that's the first size that's what also one of the reason why which was inflatable uh it's a good entry size it's like you know 600 square meter on the ground of like growing uh, area so it's it's actually we came up with this figure because this is how much you need in terms of surface to generate enough uh, oxygen and food to sustain life of one astronaut like if you don't take anything else uh, on on another planet so how we came up with the size, uh, to be fair, but you can, you can, the second size of the biopod is, a, um, uh, is the size of a, a tennis court. Um, and it's the same technology, you know, it's inflatable structure with an airlock at the entrance. Um, so, um, so w- we're going to grow in terms of, of sizing for scaling.
0: I'm talking with Barbara Belvisi, founder and CEO of Interstellar Labs on the Xterra podcast. Take a minute right now and click on subscribe to be sure you don't miss any of our podcasts or if you're watching on YouTube, any of the videos from Xterra. The journal of space commerce all right barbara now let's go to space which is a decidedly harsher environment than it is here on earth even for florida how do you envision the biopods being used and you've touched on this a little bit already but let's go a little bit more in depth on how you see them being utilized in in space sure
1: um so, so for our space the first market right now will be um so in orbital station Um, So it's going to be a different form factor than the biopod. Uh, So what we've been working on is actually a small cubic system where we recreate perfect conditions so we can grow plants, something in between the current system that are in the ISS, uh, which are called VEGIES and APH. And so we are developing one that is a bit more advanced than VEGIES but less complicated to run than APH. Um, and so the first step for us will be to send the system um, into LEO and to get the data on how plants are growing. Uh, one of the main struggles NASA is going through when it comes to plant growth in LEO is the watering system. Um, so we're actually working with several teams at NASA to develop you know, a better solution so we don't, we don't kill the plants up, out there. Uh, so that's the first application of the biopod is really for our research and studying plant growth in microgravity environments. Um, and of course, the second step, um, the second step in Leo will be to develop a module, uh, a full a full module equipped uh, with uh, uh, with um, the, um, uh, plant cultivation units. Uh, towards this end, we have several agreements we're working on with the, with the orbital station, um, and we and and I think we'll be able, you know. I'm, sometimes I'm a bit too optimistic on deadlines. Though I was not that late for Biopods. We were supposed to install the first one 2021 and it's 2022. So including COVID, it's, it's okay, I think. So there was
0: this little pandemic thing that happened. That's it's exactly. hardly worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's OK, you know, it's uh, not that bad. Um, and on the on the orbital station, we probably will be able to send one of our systems, smaller system before the end of this year. It's super short, but but we'll, we'll do our best. Uh, other one is going to be next year, and a full module probably by 2024. Um, so it's a very exciting. Then on the moon, it's a different, it's a different deal. So what we're planning on doing is also super small payload to see how our watering system is reacting to, uh, you know, our lunar gravity and lunar environment, which is very different. Uh, the neo environment Um, and at the same time work on the deployability of our system Uh, so we'll see if we need robots or if we can do a system that is fully deployable by itself Um, the goal for the moon the first step will be really to contribute to the sustainable uh, moon base so as part of the artemis program so to to put one of the first greenhouse on the surface of the moon uh, and then to get data and to prepare for um, a martian product um, and uh, and uh, the, the big vision behind all this company was, you know, if we, if we can put some green out there, maybe we can elevate our human consciousness on Earth about, you know, why we need to preserve our biodiversity here.
0: So without giving away trade secrets, how do you water plants in microgravity?
1: Sure. Uh, so we, so the, what we're looking at right now, because it's a, it's a super... For the first pilots um, uh, that are pretty small, um, it's a passive system. Uh, so we're using the um, you know cap- capillarity, and, and, and we and we and we isolate a uh, part of the root. Uh, so one part of the root can access oxygen, and the other part can access water. Because uh, the main problem with the root is that. If you, if you put a drop of water on, on the root system, it will go, it will just like encapsulate everything and then it will kill the plant. Um, and so we, we're testing different mediums. So it's all about the substrate and the medium you're using to contain the water so the root can access the water. So that's what we do for passive system. Uh, for non-passive system, we're still exploring uh, an opportunity to use a different type of aeroponics. Um, well, we'll see, we need to run a lot of experiment to be fair.
0: Now, Barbara, your Nucleus System won phase one of NASA's Deep Space Food Challenge. So talk to us about the challenges, uh, about that particular challenge and the, the Nucleus System in general.
1: Sure. Uh, so what we, what we, um, um, so, so the goal was, so the constraint of this competition was we were giving a constraint in terms of size, of mass, uh, of resources uh, we can use. Uh, and the idea was really to optimize the uh, input and the output, so taking as less input as possible and optimizing the output, and generating you know uh, less uh, less waste as possible. And so we came up with a uh, with a combination of of structure of units. Uh, each unit is very similar. Um, you know it's it's like a biopod but just a different form of factor in a cubic version but it's a control environment where we control the atmospheric the um, all the hydraulic system uh, and where we recreate the conditions for the plants so they can grow and and so what we did is so it's a setup of nine um, nine, cubic, um, uh, nine cubic nine cubic nine cubes uh, inside inside which we control specifically the condition and they're designed to grow microgreens mushrooms and insects and so we use you know O2 that is generated by the plant to feed the mushroom. We need inedible parts of the plant and the mushroom to feed the insects. And so we recreate this balance among the, the nine different units. Um, now we're working on the prototypes, it will be installed at the end of the, the summer at the Kennedy Space Center for testing purposes. Um, we're going to start with the microgreens and the mushrooms, then we'll see how we can incorporate the insects in the, in the system. That will be a challenge because we've been dealing with plants most, you know, only from the beginning.
0: That is interesting because people, I guess, often don't think about the fact that the insects are necessary. Uh, for for the sustainment of that kind of an ecosystem, you can't just have the sterile environment and grow plants. It they, they just won't grow.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and in fact, we're using insects on earth for pollinization uh, mm-hmm. inside the pot. So it really depends on what you want to grow. But if you want to grow fruits, you need pollinators. Um, and, you know, bumblebees are, are the best. So there will be a certain part very soon on earth pods just dedicated to you know also preserve bees and, and i'm very excited on this one
0: you'll have little teeny tiny drones it'll act as the as the honeybees. it'll go around between the plants <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's,
1: that's,
0: and you know that's really not that far out of the realm of possibility i think but no, it's not. yeah but anyway you also received a pre-seed round of funding at five million dollars. Can you talk about the investors that were involved and what those funds are going to be used for?
1: Sure. Um, so the the first round uh, we did before before this five million round was dedicated uh, to onboard more business angels. Um, so we had you know um, super 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 cool angels, uh, some who are involved in you know in Planet Labs and SpaceX, um, and so very. Uh, very good advice from those people who joined super early on. Uh, some other were involved as well in, in you know, robotics and, and uh, AI. Um, and, uh, and with this run, we actually onboarded more venture capitalists. Uh, so it's a combination of VC specialized in space, like um, uh, Earth to Mars Capital. Uh, we also have Seldor Capital. We have Urania. We have Esart. So really, 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 really good guys. Um, and uh, and also combination with them and uh, and more climate VCs. Um, so an, an agri an agri tech VC. So the the idea was really for us to uh, uh, to be able to. Uh, have around the table people who understand the space business, but also people who understand the terrestrial application. Uh, so we, we are not going be, to be pushed too much into one direction in the future. Um, and we have great, uh, we also imported a, a capital factory uh, in Texas, uh, the base in Texas is really good for us because it's uh, uh, helping us access the uh, Texas market, providing terrestrial solution for food, um, and also working with all the older space player over there uh, in Houston.
0: Now you're currently in Los Angeles. You've just participated in the uh, space tourism conference. Can you talk, uh, just kind of give us a a synopsis for those who weren't able to attend, um, what you talked about as far as how this all fits into space tourism?
1: Sure. Uh, the i mean it was really really good gathering and um and it was awesome we had like dr kutma for um uh, for axiom who was there uh, as well and, and so the main purpose of the conference was we really need to gather all the players that are helping uh, advancing um, um you know commercial flight and and um, uh, and space tourism um you know, on our end i talked a lot about you know the uh, how we can prepare for astronaut training. Um, and because I expect it's going to be, it's, it's going to be, you know, in five years from now, it's going to be very um, part of our daily life to have people just like going to the to a space station or or, or doing spacewalk. You know, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's going to become, you know, super. Um, I I'm, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so on our end, I was talking a lot about how we can develop on Earth analog uh, system uh, to actually help on the training for future. Uh, for future mission on the moon and also future mission on mars and and i think right now the analogs that we have there it's really cool uh, but i think we we need to move you know a step um um, a step forward um and, and you know adding more and more technology so we recreate the perfect the the condition that are closest to what it will be to live on the moon
0: so you're talking more about doing that as a training aspect as opposed to being able to provide food for potential tourists either on a private space station or at a uh, a moon resort if you will or things of that nature it's more about the training for you
1: i think we'll we'll do we'll do both uh because whatever us, they ask <laughs> the thing is that our technology has like so many application, uh and it can be used for you know um you know for pure tourist purposes and education and like it for me it's very important that we educate the people and that we use real technology to explain how we're going to grow food and how we're growing food uh, so i can see our technology be used on pure tourist application with this vision of like bringing science and making science accessible to anyone uh, but also it's the same technology can be used for super advanced analog and astronaut um, and astronaut training. So, so even though there are two different markets, for me, for us, it's the same use of our technology.
0: Are they modular? Can you take them and put a bunch together and make one big, huge farm?
1: Yes, you can. Yes, we can. So this is how, how we design everything. Uh, the very early, when we started, the first thing that I announced in 2019 was actually this modular station where we will combine different parts to, you know, to recreate um, a living environment.
0: What else is on the drawing board for your company? I mean, do you have that, that at least you're willing to talk about?
1: Sure. <laughs> yeah, there are some, you know, confidential projects, super cool project we're working on. Um, and, uh, and fingers crossed, we'll be able to, you know, to, to join this mission um, uh, before the end of this year. So what we were, so right now we're, you know, we're, so the team is 26, 27. Um, Most of the team has been flying in France for the first assembly, Uh, but all the team will be back in the US in September to assemble the pods here. Uh, So we need to double the team. So I'm recruiting a lot of engineers. Uh, So if you're an engineer, you're looking for a position, uh, you know feel free just to send an email or reach out um, um so that's one part this the big thing for us by the end of this year of course will be to demonstrate the biopod and to install them and start the testing uh but this also will be to decide where we're going to put the production line um so as we have over 70 demands of pods without even opening pre-orders uh you know just word of mouth. Um, we want to reach, you know, a, a path of like a hundred pots produced a year. So it means we need our own assembly line. So uh, so that's something big for us. It's going to be done whether in Texas or in Florida. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> <lot's> going on.
0: <laughs> I'm a big fan of Florida. Come on. we'd, we'd love to have
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> We are just about out of time, Barbara, but if you could just Take a, a quick look out into your crystal ball over the next ten or fifteen years or so, and, and think about space commerce, and the role of your company in it, and tell us what you see.
1: Um, uh, yeah. I've, I think. I think the, you know, access to uh, access to to Leo um, uh, will have many civilians, um, many civilians going there. Um, price going to decrease. Um, and, uh, and I think this, this vision that many company at, you know, like, um, um, you know, I, I think most of the people actually in the, in the space industry, uh, whether it's uh, S- SpaceX, Virgin or Blue, it's all about also bringing the overview effect to people so we can, um, um, you know, open more about this consciousness of our planet. So I see this really, uh, you know, becoming a, a thing and the price going to decrease and we're going to get a lot of people out there. Uh, But also, I think, because of all the research that will be run in microgravity, we will learn a lot about the planet, but we also figured out many things that will have tremendous application on Earth. Uh, And I I can see that happening, and I can see, you know, finally people understanding why space exploration is so important uh, for the crisis that we're experiencing right now on Earth. Uh, in 10, 15 years, 100% will be back on the moon, like 100% sure. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, that's what my crystal ball is telling me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm writing this down.
1: <laughs> so I will, I will always say that. But uh, but we'll be we'll be we'll definitely be back on the moon. I think uh, I think that you know, sustainable moon base will start. Uh, there's going to be a lot of experiment. Hopefully, we'll be able to. We'll have the first astronaut. I don't know if we'll. 10 years from now, 15, we'll gonna have the first civilians. I, I, I think um, and uh, and i believe you know i'm a i'm a huge fan of the, of the spacex mission and i i i really believe they can make it uh, within the 10 15 coming years to have a you know starship um uh, doing a first mission to mars um so so we'll we'll definitely see that happen i mean that's 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 my hope for the future
0: as long as elon doesn't spend all his money on social media <laughs> <laughs> Just not not terribly likely but you never know.
1: <laughs> no, no comments on ways.
0: <laughs> And I guess as long as people are 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 eating there's going to be a need for for your product. There's going to be a need for to be able to grow food so we don't just get all bored in space eating stuff out of a tube. It's nice to have a fresh vegetable.
1: <laughs> it is and it, and it's needed. Actually the reality is that we don't know how to create certain nutrients that are needed for human survival if it's not coming from plants. So you can have, you know, pre-prepared food packaged food but the truth is we that's why nasa is studying it we need to grow plants because we don't know how to produce you know specific vitamins
0: great well barbara thank you so much for your time it's been an interesting interview and i, I really appreciate it and thank you so much thank you tom barbara belvisi is founder and ceo of interstellar labs and that is going to do it for this edition of the Xterra podcast check out our YouTube channel be sure to click on subscribe so you can stay up to date on developments in space commerce and be notified when we post new videos. You can also get daily space commerce news at exterrajsc.com. And one thing more, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at XterajSc. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for joining us.